Why don't you open your Bibles with me? How about we do that? The book of Galatians chapter 5, chapter 6. I really appreciated, uh, you know, Jeremy talking about the, the busyness of a week and how difficult it can be to kind of keep your mind in the game, keep your mind engaged. And I don't know how many of you experience that, but in our society, it feels like that's sort of the norm right now. And as your kids are getting older, there's just stuff happening at all times. We're dropping them off at school. We're picking them up from school. Shannon had more homework this weekend for the kids at school than I think the kids had, filling out documents and papers. And, you know, and then this coming week, we, we get to take Maddie. Hi, Maddie. Uh, remember, we raise adults, not children. So we've raised an adult, and she's going to college this weekend. There's all kinds of paperwork for that. How, any other uh, people headed out this weekend for college or this coming week? Got one going? Go. Sarah? They say that at uh, school on a first day like that, there's two sets of kind of parents. One are the ones that are crying because they're dropping off their first one. And then there are the other group of parents who are over there high-fiving each other because they're dropping off their last one. <laughs> so we'll be in the firmly in the first one. So um, It's just busy. And as I was reading through that and thinking through what it really means to walk in the Spirit, what it really means, the promise that... The Paul, Paul makes a pretty big promise in Galatians when he says it's for freedom that he set us free. Not for captivity. Like he didn't get us out of one jail and put us into another one. It was simply for the sake of freedom. And so when you say that, that sounds really super awesome until so you cross-reference it with your life and think, then why do I feel like I'm so captive to my life? Captive to my calendar in this case, captive to stuff. And I've really just been fixated on this idea of what it means to walk in the spirit versus in the flesh. And when you read in Galatians 6, which we spent a little bit of time last week, we saw that, hey, when God is not going to be mocked, that whatever a man sows, he'll also reap, and it speaks of sowing after the flesh, and from the flesh, verse 8, you'll reap corruption, death, and stench. But for the one who sows after the Spirit, you'll reap eternal life. You'll reap life. And let's not grow weary. And this is the verse that just jumped at me this week. Let's not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then let's, as we have opportunity, let's do good to everyone, especially those who are of the household of faith. Because if we're not careful... Our life in our world here, in uh, running and just trying to keep up with the Joneses, church can become just as big a part of that as our personal life. We were uh, our spirituality in a lot of churches when I where I was at were judged by if you were quote unquote faithful. We do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, and what that meant was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Sometimes a Tuesday night prayer, a Thursday night men's study, a Friday night. And before you know, you're so, this becomes a thing where we become weary in doing good. We can become weary in doing good because we want the, what's best for our kids. Like, Ash, I really want what's best for you. You're awesome. You know, Lauren, my awesome daughter, like, I want what's best for you. And we can become weary in trying to even make that happen. And by the way, Maddie, also, I would include you in that category. <laughs> But we can become weary in that, and the difference is very simple and yet very hard. 
The difference is whether we're doing it in the spirit or in the flesh. There's competition inside of us that is a war between the spirit and between the flesh. And if you feel weary this morning, here's your litmus test this morning. The litmus test, by the way, like if you're out of Freon in your air conditioner, by the way, is that your room will be hot. We figured out this week, so we have two air conditioning units in this room because it was getting so hot. You know, we bought, we bought a new one last year and we were so excited. And so this year I'm like, why does it feel like I'm preaching in a crock pot every week then? And the answer is, is that the old unit was out of Freon all summer and we didn't know. This might be the last Sunday you see me. This is my Haiti shirt like I, because that way I don't sweat through it. So this might be the last Sunday you see me in this because I can be back to air conditioning again. Be that as it may, being the flesh and the spirit, there's, you know, which, which one am I fueling? Your, your litmus test, so to speak, in your life is are you feeling weary? Are you feeling worn out? Are you feeling anxiety? You're walking in the flesh. And the challenge is one page, just flip one page to the left for us in Galatians 5, is that walking by the Spirit, verse 16, for I say walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. And I think in King James, or one of the versions, it actually speaks of war. It's warring against each other. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you, listen to this, from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law, and it goes on to talk about the Spirit and what that looks like in the flesh. And that's one of those things that, okay, I'll just walk by the Spirit, and I'll do what I want to do. Great. Well, I'll go home now. We're done. And yet, I'm 44 years old and thinking, that's a little more difficult than, than maybe I think. Or maybe, let me put it another way, maybe it's a lot easier than I've made it to be. Maybe I've made it more complicated than it ought to be. A little, uh, a little lesson here, a little theology lesson for, uh, for maybe new to the faith and a reminder for those that have been around the faith a little bit longer. We are, I am, a triune being. Spirit, I have a spirit. That's who I am. That is the part of me when the Bible speaks of you are a new creature in Christ. You are regenerated. You are new. Behold, all things are passed away. All things have become new. That's speaking of your spirit. That's you. That's what goes on after the flesh, my body, my, my, my flesh, my body flesh, goes away. <laughs> Paul speaks of this as a tent. Sometimes I think we treat it like a mansion, like we're weed-eating the tent, you know, because we're, we're so concerned about this thing that is only going to be here for a short while, and will one day, Paul says, be folded up, and the real you will be resurrected. Understanding that defeating death is not dying, that's cheating death. Defeating death is resurrection. We're rising again. The real me. But Body, spirit, and soul, which is your mind, your brain. That is, when Paul speaks of the flesh, oftentimes, in, in this context, he's not speaking of this flesh, he's speaking of the mind. What John Piper would say, your flesh is your ego. It's, it's, it's your, your filter of what your, your spirit, when it comes to the world, is filtered through this mind. And while your spirit is regenerated and brand new, your mind is being renewed. Your mind is what is between your spirit and the outside world. And it is what is being filtered. 
your spirit through. And what the Bible, when it speaks of the way that you are transformed is not by the renewing of your spirit. That's already happened. You are renewed or you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. And Paul talks about it over and over again in the scriptures in Ephesians. If you've got your Bibles, I'd love for you to follow along if you can or just jot these down and go there later. But the Bible speaks of the mind. Romans 12, you're renewed by the spirit of your mind. In Ephesians 4, Paul speaks of Uh, in verse 17, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. The futility of their minds. I've found the futility of the mind this morning reading an article from Mary Elizabeth Williams who is speaking of being someone who, she basically makes a very uh, strong, in her mind, strong case for abortion based on this. I never wavered for a moment in the belief that I was carrying a human life inside of me. I believe that's what a fetus is, a human life. And that doesn't make me one iota less solidly pro-abortion. She uses pro-choice, but she's using euphemisms. She goes on to say, here's the complicated reality in which we live. All life is not equal. That's a difficult thing for liberals like me to talk about lest we end up looking like death panel loving, kill your grandma and your precious baby stormtroopers. Yet a fetus can be a human life without having the same rights as the woman in whom the body resides. She's the boss. Her life and what is right for her circumstances and her health should automatically trump the rights of a non-autonomous entity inside of her always. That is the futility of somebody's mind. Walking in the futility of your mind, and that's a, I'm using that as a very extreme example, but in our own minds, we can walk in that futility, the hopelessness of it, when we are feeding the mind and then the mind begins to filter out what the spirit is saying, he would go on to say in verse 23 of Ephesians 14, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and in holiness. And what I want to talk about for the next few moments that we have together is the idea that in your triune being, your flesh is never going to be renewed. We got, your body, I mean, your, you know, your flesh body is never going to be renewed. It's, we are dying right now. Congratulations. We are, this thing is going to fold up and someday we're all going to stand before the Father with a new body, a new thing. Your spirit is already made new. You stand before the Father righteous right now. No matter what you did this week, no matter what you did this morning, he's looking not at you, but he's looking at Christ over your spirit, but between you and that, the rest of your life, the battle that starts this morning, started whenever you first accepted Christ and your spirit was renewed, is the battle for your mind. Because Paul would say there, you know, be renewed in the mind, and he would talk about it in Romans 8. Chapter 7 is the the famous chapter of why do I do the things I don't want to do? What's that, you know, you feel that in your life, I've done, I shouldn't have done this, I should have done that. He actually ends that whole dissertation in verse 25 of chapter 7, or verse 24, when he says, wretched man that I am. Have you felt that way this week, like wretched? I just feel like I just can't get this right. And he says in verse 25, but thanks be to God. He says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, it's through Christ Jesus our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of, my, of God with my mind, but with also my flesh I serve the law. He basically is using, the mind is the transition point here of me renewing that that allows my freedom to feel, this, the, the, uh, my spirit to feel the freedom that he gave us. And he goes on to talk about in verse five, 
that those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And that is the ticket, that's the key, that's this thing that we could spend the entire rest of our lives on that one thing because it's that critical. Your mind, the Bible speaks out in Ephesians and in Romans and in 1 Corinthians and in Galatians, and yet we don't talk about it that much. Because being carnally minded is why, do you have a King James? Anybody have a King James? Does it say carnally minded? It's a mind after the flesh, basically your mind after your mind, so to speak. It's my mind after me, my ego. That is going to lead in death, and that word death is the same word used in Galatians, which is destruction, which is not death like physical death, but like stench. Maddie has been borrowing my car for the past few weeks because her, uh, her Volvo, Betty White, is, uh, you know, she's on her last leg. We're just trying to keep her comfortable. You know, it's like hospice care for a Volvo. Um, but I let Maddie drive uh, my car, and uh, apparently when I let her drive it that day, we made the transition. I had a, a smoothie in uh, there uh, that was in a sealed cup. Sorry, it was actually Shannon's cup, so I apologize right now in front of everybody. So think of a smoothie for four weeks in a hot car all summer. When I opened that thing up yesterday, let me tell you what filled the kitchen. Death, stench, destruction. It literally smelled like the inside of a body. It was just disgusting. That's the idea, and I'm trying to evoke that image because that's what he's really saying, that a body, a mind after the flesh is death. It's stench. What does that mean? What does it mean to have a mind after the flesh, a mind that is on me and not on the things of God? And it's really easy to kind of zero in on the big ticket items. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I'm not watching dirty movies. I'm not going to see Fifty Shades of Grey, so I'm not putting my mind on that stuff. Funny story, by the way. Uh, (laughs) My brother-in-law... Carrie buys it. He's going to do a real nice something for his wife. And, he, and if you know Carrie, you, you believe this is it's entirely possible that this was true. He bought tickets for a Fifty Shades of Grey movie for his wife, had no idea what the movie was about. <laughs> Surprises her, let's go to the movie, and they get in there, and he's like... <laughs> anyway, yeah, so... But, but that's easy to say, well, at least I didn't take my wife to Fifty Shades of Grey, and if you did, you can, you know, do with that what you want. But... The idea of that it's not just the big ticket items of where I'm investing my mind on the things of this earth. You can be carnally minded if your mind is fixed just on your circumstances on a day-to-day basis. I can be carnally minded when I am letting my history define me. When I'm saying that this thing that I've done over and over again, and now I have this, you know, Shannon and I were talking this week about how regret is good because we can learn from history, but we can't be captive by history. And carnally minded means that I'm taking my history and all those things that I've done and now that defines my future and saying, because I blew it here and I blew it there that I'm always going to blow it and I'm never, and I'm letting my history, my story, override his story. The story that he has, which is that all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And so that thing that you were born into that you thought wasn't fair and wasn't chosen, you can be carnally minded when I am literally microscoping, microscoping, microscoping in, still not sure that's a verb, on this thing, instead of taking back the big picture, 
which is what Paul says in Colossians 3.2, to set my, things, my mind on things which are above and not things which are on earth. When I zoom in on real close, I, all I see is what's this thing right in front of me, but carnally minded means that I'm going to be constantly living in regret and despair and death, and it's, it's carnal mindedness. Another method, another version of carnal mindedness is what the Bible refers to as sin consciousness. Hebrews 10.2 speaks of being sin conscious. We don't have to be that way anymore. And sin conscious is when I'm constantly beating myself up over the sin that I'm struggling with. When I'm constantly conscious of this thing that I gotta get defeated and I did it again, I'm gonna stop starting right now and okay, now I'm gonna stop. And I'm so conscious of that, what the Bible actually speaks of as practicing sin instead of what the Bible also refers to as practicing righteousness. The things of above is that I am righteous, I am chosen, I am accepted, I am carnal is I am a screw up and I'm never gonna get it right. There's a, a huge difference. And being carnally minded is me sowing seeds after that. I can be carnally minded when I am in worry. Worry is, I think, one of the most common of the carnal mindedness, flesh minded stuff. My mother, God rest her, she's in heaven now and, and gets it. But I mean, she, if, if you could figure out how to make a career out of worry, I would be set for life. Because she would, I mean, it was like she wasn't happy if she wasn't worrying. Well, your father, I don't know. You know, his health, I don't know. He doesn't talk about it. I don't know. It was, that was like the constant slow drip of worry in her life. And you know what worry does to us? It not only gives us, the, the, it ruins our life emotionally, but it, they're physical, anxiety, things that happen because it's, I am literally going by the storyline of these things that I'm imagining might happen someday. And what does the Bible tell us about imaginations that exalt themselves above the knowledge of Christ? We are to cast them down. Worry is me taking my knowledge and exalting it above the knowledge of Christ. The knowledge of Christ is that I've got you safely in my hand. I, I, my, the knowledge of Christ is that he loves you and accepts you just as you are, that he has got this all under control. That is the knowledge of Christ. The knowledge of Darren is that, oh, crap, now what am I going to do? Oh, who knows what's going to happen now? I don't. That the knowledge of me exalting itself above the knowledge of Christ becomes worry. And what worry does is it doesn't rob, what is the quote? It, robs, it doesn't rob tomorrow of its sorrow. It robs today of its joy. So I could go on, but begin to maybe find where you are and where I am in these things where the, the flesh-mindedness is in our lives. And the question is now, what do I do about that? Because I can see I need to walk in the spirit. I'm still not sure what that means. And I can see that if I'm sowing after the flesh that I'm going to reap a harvest of destruction and rotten smoothies. I can see that I need to let this war somehow play out, the war between my spirit and my flesh. What does that look like practically? I'm glad you asked. We're not going to get through all this today. Just, just going to just dive in and see where the Lord leads. But I think that the picture of this of what it means for the flesh versus the spirit. What it means for us to be able to walk in the spirit is displayed in a story of Abraham and Ishmael and Hagar and Isaac. And if you remember in the book of Genesis chapter 21, I'm going to fast forward you into this story because Abraham's heart is, it's got to be being broken in two right now. It's being broken in two because he has a son named Ishmael. 
And Ishmael was Abraham's helping God moment. Have you ever helped God and create your own Ishmael? God gave him a promise. And Abraham said, okay, look, it's been too long. I'm going to go ahead and figure this out. And so he goes and he has relations with Hagar, their servant. And from Hagar is born this son named Ishmael. A son that he loves, and we know that he loves him because when God says to Abraham later, look, I'm still going to keep this promise. I'm still going to give you a son. What did Abraham say? He said, oh, that Ishmael would be the one. Let Ishmael live before you. And God would say, look, I, I've got plans for him. I will have I will, I promises. I'm going to make him into a great nation. But he's not the one that I have given to you for this purpose. And so fast forward. Ishmael is 17 years old. God has given Abraham and Sarah the promised son well into their old age. Remember Isaac? Isaac is three. Ishmael is 17 or thereabouts. And it says, as you go through chapter 21, that look, Ishmael was picking on, was mocking, was warring against Isaac. So much so that Isaac was in danger. And so God tells Abram to do something that initially is confusing to me. Initially is a little perplexing because Abraham is like loaded rich, like Donald Trump rich, like rich rich camels and the whole thing. And he sends Ishmael out into the desert, Hagar and Ishmael, the son that he loved. I would have sent him with camels and concubine and whatever you sent in those days, sandwiches, Ziploc bags, whatever. I mean, you send him out there because if you've seen Bear Grylls, you know this is not going to end well. They're sending Ishmael and Hagar, the son that he loves, into the desert, chapter 21 of Genesis, and it was ultimately a death sentence. It's like a loaf of bread and a, a bottle of water and get going. Dehydration would have killed them inside of two days. He gave them no provision at all. And this is a picture, it's an allegory of us between the spirit and the flesh and the war inside of us. Hagar represents the law. She represents the Old Testament. Ishmael represents the flesh, the product of the law. Sarah represents the new covenant. And Isaac represents the promise. And you're thinking, Darren, that's awful convenient for your sermon. You're just making this up or you just, you know, go back to Galatians with me. The best way for the Bible to be interpreted is to let the Bible interpret the Bible. And Galatians 4 tells us, chapter 21, chapter 4, verse 21, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it's written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman, one by a free woman, verse 29, but the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through the promise. Now, verse 24, this may be interpreted, quote, allegorically. I'm just letting the Bible interpret the Bible. And you think this is great and ethereal, but what does this matter? How do, what does it matter at all? Here's how this matters. Inside of you, Galatians 5, 17 tells us, is there's a war going on inside of us, the spirit versus the flesh, that the flesh is mocking you. Does this feel familiar to you? You're never going to get this right. The flesh, you're never going to get it. You're going to blow this every time. Versus the spirit. And the key is to send the flesh packing. Send it away, gone with, and as Paul would say, I'll just read it, you can go there later, in Romans 13, maybe this is what he meant when he was saying this, because what happened to Ishmael was he was sending the flesh packing with no provision, and in Galatians 13, 
verse 14, he speaks of this relationship with the flesh, and he says to them in verse 14, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. The ticket here, this principle, this life thing, that if we can get our minds wrapped around this, is that I have, and there's this old, I mean, I've been around youth ministry most of my life, the old saying that inside of me, there are two dogs. There's the, there's the big, furry, mean dog, and then there's the nice, you know, golden retriever dog. And whichever one that I am feeding the most is the one that grows stronger and stronger and can overpower the other one. It's an oversimplification, but if nothing else, you can remember the next time who you're feeding, you're thinking, am I going to feed the mean, crazy dog that's on a chain that's going to you know, bite the neighbor kids? Or am I going to feed the awesome golden retriever that's going to get the frisbee for me? Which one, which one am I feeding? Because whichever one I'm feeding in my mind is the one that's growing stronger. So that this week, if you blew it, this week when you blow it, that didn't start the moment that you blew your stack at your wife and you regretted it immediately or soon after. It didn't, that didn't start there. That's a result of something that you lived and did out through the years of your life. It's a result of sowing seeds. That's the problem and the reason why when I decide I'm going to stop doing this right now that it never works. Because what I've got to do is begin to feed the other one slowly and surely sowing seeds after the Spirit. And as I do that, the other one becomes stronger. And as that other one is stronger walking in the Spirit, it just happens. And the question becomes, what is the provision? What is the provision that I'm feeding the flesh versus what is the provision, so to speak, that I'm feeding Isaac in my life? I think the answer is summed up by George Mueller, beautifully, missionary from years years ago. He was kind of the Billy Graham of that day, and he opens this orphanage, and he's famous in theologian circles, and he writes in his autobiography that I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend to every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. Not that I wake up trying to figure out how I'm going to feed these orphans. Not that I wake up how am I going to preach this sermon but to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord or how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. Now, what is the food for the inner man? Not prayer, but the word of God. Flesh is obvious. We're looking at these things and I'm saying carnal-minded, worry, just regret. And all the, that's carnal-mindedness. The way that I defeat it is to stop feeding it with that. I've got so many hours in a day that I'm consciously awake. What am I going to feed, my spirit or my flesh? Sorry to give you yet another Earl metaphor, but uh, the donkey, we had some, uh, some cheese puffs here at the church that turned out to be a little stale probably sat on the Costco shelf a little longer than what they maybe said. Now, when I take cheese puffs home that no human can consume, I got a donkey that loves cheese puffs, and the horse won't touch them. The horse is like... (laughs) It's not the same diet, so to speak. 
So when I'm throwing food into here that feeds the flesh, worry and confusion, and, you know, then I am feeding the, the flesh that will that eventually become, I'm giving him stale cheese puffs. Earl was thrilled. But the spirit eats the meat of the word, the milk of the word. Have you wondered why he uses those metaphors when he speaks of the word? When you look at my life now, and Shannon can tell you, I mean, when we got married 20-some years ago, I didn't know, come here from Sikkim. I was, by the, if my daughter brings me home to marry, I'm going to have a heart attack. Like, it's, are you kidding me? He doesn't have a job. He has no plan. But I, my plan was I hope something neat happens. I think that was my entire business model for my life. I was like... <laughs> But slowly over time, what I always have done, and I would love to take credit for this, but I've always had a fascination with and a desire for and a love of the word. The slow drip of the scripture in my life. And when we started this Bible study years ago, I mean, Justin, you guys were there. I mean, I would just go through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Not because I was that smart. I just didn't know how to write a sermon, so that's what we did. The slow drip of God's word. And over time, my mind is being renewed, and because of that, I am being transformed. So don't get into a panic that you have to, this is a 20-year journey just from the time we got married. I've been a believer since I was like fifth grade. The slow drip of God's word transforms us over time. And to me, that means every day. And you might be thinking, oh, Darren. I read the Bible this morning. It just felt dry. It felt like, and I would, I would say that's true. If you're approaching it like an academic exercise, if you're approaching it like it's a magic trick, but if you begin to approach it with the spirit in mind, I'm going to give you two tricks and then we're going to be done. These are tricks that I've done in my life. These are not a thus saith the Lord for you. These are a thus saith, this is what was working for Darren. And maybe they'll work for you or maybe the Lord will show you how to keep this be the slow drip of your life to renew your mind, and then because your mind is renewed, you can walk in the spirit because you're no longer filtering your spirit through the crap of your mind, through the stench, through the rotten smoothie. When you pray, and you can kill two birds with one stone, by the way, when you pray this way. We learned this years ago. Just pray the word. This morning when I got up a little early, Ashley was already up at five. Definitely, she's a farm girl, right? Farmersonly.com, nothing. <laughs> Sorry. She was up at five. Yeah, I was going to ride this morning. I had stuff to do. I'm like, it's five o'clock. It's Sunday. <laughs> but I've learned if I don't do this in the morning, it gets away from me. If I wait till we get here at the office, I mean, there's stuff happening. The air conditioner's out or whatever. God only knows. Something crazy is going to happen. If I don't start this way, and believe me, I don't do it every day, I can feel it by noon. But I pray the prayers from Ephesians sometimes. I'm praying the word. And instead of putting you and I'm praying, you know, this is Paul talking about his prayer and instead of saying you and I put me and I in it. So when he says in Ephesians chapter, uh, what if I get to Ephesians? In Ephesians chapter two, this is what I was actually praying this morning down in the basement. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give, and he says you, but I'm saying me, that he'll give me the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of my heart enlightened, that I may know what is the hope to which he has called me, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance of the saints, and what is the immeasurable 
I'm just praying the word. And it's helpful because sometimes you're in prayer, you're like, I don't know what this, I don't know what to say. He's not talking. I'm just talking. Just praying the word begins the slow drip in your life. And I'll tell you, in our world right now, there is no excuse because you got daily audio Bible. I mean, the dude just sits there and reads the Bible to you. And he's in Spring Hill. You can go high five him. He's just the Bible. We have podcasts where you can listen to teaching and people getting the word in you is key to your mind being renewed. Your spirit's already renewed. You're fine. You die today, you're going to stand before the Father, your spirit, your tent's put away, and you're fine. But to avoid the stench of destruction in your life, of the decisions in your marriage and in your family and in your job, renewing your mind with the word starts with the slow drip of God's word. And it's sowing seeds, which means slowly but surely, over time, you begin to be transformed. You don't have to make it happen. That's the flesh. I don't have to get these rules because that's the law. Send them packing. Don't feed them. Feed your spirit. So it's praying the word. And I think that praising Thanksgiving, a thing that I've done in the past couple of years that I've really found to be helpful for me, is in a moment of, you got to worship the Lord every day. You gotta pray. So like Shannon, she's, she's constantly listening to worship music around the house. So for her, she's feeding her spirit that way. And for me, like instead of, you know, just going into the basement and saying, I praise you, Lord, I praise you, Lord, which is as dumb as me going and saying to Shannon, I hug you, Shannon, I hug you, Shannon. <laughs> for what it's worth. I can instead engage in, in one of the things I've done and maybe try it this week and tell me how it works for you. It works amazing for me. Because I'll just sit and pray. But to, as I begin to think back, I'm like, Lord, take me back in my mind and my memory to, the, to those things that you've done for me over the years. And what I'll do is go back even to my childhood. And like the most recent one I can remember was thinking, oh man, that I lived and uh, my family can attest to you that uh, an episode of Hoarders could have been shot at the house I grew up in. It wouldn't have been the extreme one like with rats and stuff, but there was just stuff. It was not a, it was not a nice house. It was not a even kind of nice house. It was the kind of house I was embarrassed to bring my friends home to kind of house. And I hated it. And it was always represented such a failure for me. And, but what I as I was thinking one morning, I was praying and going back, okay, God, I remember you, you had me even then and, and that little crummy house happened to be right across the street from Diana Covey, who was this woman who led me to the Lord. And then because this church came into town that Diana was a part of, that was, and I could literally follow the path of God's providence through middle school and through high school all in that time because of that church I met Ron Luce and because of Ron Luce, I went to Guatemala and because of Guatemala, I met, you know, and it just, the journey is never the same twice. Sometimes I've got music on. I'm being as practical as I know to be. Sometimes I've got music, sometimes not. But you know what always happens? It's only about a four or five minute, maybe sometimes 10 minute journey for me. I'm always smiling when I'm done. I'm like, oh man, you did have your hand in me. Those things that I thought were a failure, you were right in the middle of it. I'm letting him, it's his story now. It's not mine. I'm keeping my mind on things that are above, not things that are below. And the slow drip of God's word, the slow drip of his promises being held for me are slowly but surely renewing my mind, and because of that, I'm being transformed. Would you guys commit to do something like that this week as our worshipers are coming back? Walking in the Spirit doesn't start when you take the first step. It starts sowing seeds. It starts with the daily discipline 
of recognizing this is not an academic exercise. This is a supernatural communication from our Heavenly Father to you. And that His promises define you. That His promises are sure and they're certain. And that as time goes on, there are things that I did when I was younger, even just the last few years, that I don't do anymore, not because I'm so spiritual, but because I just don't want to anymore. And I think... I think it's because my mind has been renewed a little bit in that area and now I'm being transformed in that area. And it does allow you in the walk of the Spirit to say, you know, it's a little overwhelming right now. I'm looking at this whole, whole big mess. Instead of walking in the Spirit and saying, no, no, I'm going to let the Father begin to do. Because the beautiful thing is, is in the parable of the sower that sows the word, he didn't do anything else. He just sowed the word. It was the farmer, the Father, who comes in and begins to pull the weeds the father that you do. I don't have to pull weeds out of myself. I tell you, we learned this yesterday. Our garden doesn't pull its own weeds. Should have been good to know that. No. We got to pull them. That's what, the far, that's what the father does, not us. And we're going to talk about in the coming weeks bearing fruit and what that really means and how easy and how simple and how precious and beautiful it is and how we cannot be weary in well-doing because we are walking in the spirit, not being controlled by the flesh. Father, would you give us wisdom and discernment And Lord, maybe the way that you've showed me to do it is not how you'll show others, but show each of us this morning a way to engage with you in your word, that it would be a light for us, that it would be food for us, that it would be a slow drip of your word brewing the beautiful spirit that you have inside of us. Lord, I'm reminded it is My flesh has been crucified because your flesh was crucified. Maybe this morning, Lord, as we partake of communion, that we'll be reminded of that, that my flesh, my ego, me has been crucified with Christ, but I live my spirit. Not yet I, but you and me live, Lord. Oh, what a great truth that we could learn this morning. This week you're going to have distractions. You're going to have a chance to choose whether you're going to sow after the flesh or sow after the spirit. And maybe you'll get to choose midstream. Like, you know what? That's really feeding my flesh right now. Think of the disgusting smoothie that I poured into our sink and stunk up the whole house. That, I, that's, a, that's a rotten smoothie. And it doesn't have to be like, oh, now i got to listen to the, you know, the John McCarthy, whatever. But just whatever feeds your spirit with the word. We're in a world where there's no excuse There's many, many, many amazing Bible teachers and amazing things. Just do that, not out of works, but out of, I just want to feed my spirit this morning. Feed my spirit this afternoon. Kids, especially you guys are going to college, this is a a principle for your life that will absolutely alter your future. Pray those scriptures over yourselves. Let the spirit be fed. Send the flesh packing. Ishmael and Hagar have to go. Don't invite them to dinner anymore. This is Sarah. This is Isaac. Would you do that this week? Let's worship.